All right. Here we are. Another episode of the Robcast. This is episode 248, and it's called An Ode to Partway. Because I'm working on this project. I've been working on it for a really long time, and I'm partway through. I'm partway finished. I'm partway there. And uh, so this episode is for me. This is me talking to me <laughs> about that feeling when you're part way. Uh, so you're free to listen in, but this is everything I'm telling myself right now. And I just happened to have hit record. So how's that for a premise? Um, while we're at it, I will be in Seattle, Portland, and San Francisco um, next week for the Introduction to Joy tour. Those cities have always been uh, just extraordinary places to go on tour. Then um, UK tour, Introduction to Joy. We'll start in Bristol. Then this is August. Then London. Then Manchester. And then three nights in Edinburgh, Scotland at the Fringe Festival. I'll be doing Intro to Joy. I'll also... Um, End of July, be in Norway, speaking at Trondheim Festival, and then I'll be at Jazz House Montmarte in Copenhagen, Denmark, for uh, an, an event called An Evening with Rob Bell. Uh, Denmark is beginning of August. Right before then, we go over to UK and keep doing Joy Tour. So all of that, Denmark friends, I've never been there, and as you know, I'm Danish, so this is like I'm coming home. Norway, never been to Norway. London uh, is always just pure joy. I've never done Bristol, which is where Banksy is from. Manchester, come on. All of this um, in the near future. And then uh, also the two days are the first one um, is the end of August. And then I'm doing a second two-day event in October. And these are slightly different. They're for people who communicate, who uh, express whose ideas, who say things, who make things. Uh, so in some ways it's about the creative process. It's two days. But this these two days are different, the ones I've done before, because people, um, and you'll see on the site under the um, How to Say Something workshops, the you can email me, those of you who are coming, what uh, you are stuck on or where you want help or where you want some lightning bolts of uh, truth and inspiration. So I'm shaping the events uh, around this new content on the creative process, on the art of communicating, and then I'm like Vitamixing it with um, the specific things people who are coming are asking. So, so much fun to create these. And those are at the Improv Comedy Club here in Los Angeles. But now, uh, let me continue to talk to me. Because <laughs> I'm doing this project and... There's all that excitement when you get the idea. Last week, Violet and I were in the South touring, and uh, Louisville, Chattanooga, Knoxville, come on. But before that, we had gone to Michigan to say hi to uh, my parents for a couple days. And we're leaving Grand Rapids to go to Knoxville, and our flights get delayed, so we are not going to be able to make it. So then we go, you know, you go back to the desk, and you find out, what other flights they have and they don't have any. So then you call the airline and you're trying to find some other way to get there and we can't. So then I was like, Violet, we have to drive to Knoxville, Tennessee from Grand Rapids, Michigan. 
And uh, so then we map it and it says like nine and a half hours. So we go across the street to the rental car place and they don't have any cars. They literally were like, we don't have any car. So we go to the rental desk, like next to that rental desk. And they're like, we don't have any car. So then she and I just go to the next desk. We go down the entire line and there isn't one rental car at the Grand Rapids airport. So then we start calling around and every place I call is like, no, we don't have any cars. And eventually I find a place in Grand Rapids that has a car. And so we Uber to the car and then we get in the car and we hit that button on maps that tells you drive time. And we do the math and I was like, Violet, we're gonna get to Knoxville at like 3 a.m. It's like, what is the longest car ride you've ever been on? And she says, Las Vegas, which from our house here in Los Angeles is like four hours. It's like, well, you're about to double that and then some. And so there was this feeling like as we pull out of the rental car lot, like, and she turns up the Taylor Swift, you know what I mean? Like, all right, here we go. Um, but then when it's like, you know, 1 a.m., and you're somewhere in Southern Ohio, that excitement wanes just a touch. Are you, are you with me on this? There is the early part of the thing. And then there is, oh, look, Knoxville, it's 92 miles away. After having the maps thing say 500 and something miles, 90 miles seems like just a drive around the corner. So there's that thing that kicks in at the end. You're... Uh, almost to Phoenix, and you start seeing those first subdivisions out in the desert, and you think, ah, yeah, but then there's that middle part, southern Ohio, there's that middle part driving across the desert to Arizona when you hit Blythe, and it's just, we're far from the start, and we're far from the finished, we're part way. We're neither here nor there. Um, so I'm doing this project. I'm well over all of the initial rush, and I'm not in the home stretch. And we're months and months and months in. And uh, so this is an ode to part way, because perhaps you're there as well, and you need a hymn. You need some words to exalt, to lift up the partway feeling, uh, because it's all part of it. And oftentimes the partway uh, doesn't get the, the proper love because it's the, it's the grind. It can feel like the slog. It's the part that you push through. We often speak dismissively of the middle part because it seems to be the one thing that you endure because the other parts have such relief, joy, excitement, intoxication to them. So this project right now, this thing is the best thing I've ever done. Statement number one, this is the best thing I've ever done. I'm amazing me. <laughs> okay, statement number two, it might be rubbish. <laughs> it might not turn into anything. Statement number three, we'll see. Maybe. I, um, it's got moments where I go, oh. And it's got other moments where I'm like, wow, I don't know if I can pull this off the whole way through. Now, uh, those three <laughs> statements are contradictory, to say the least, and that's why I say them. Uh, there's confidence in there, otherwise you wouldn't do it. There's some intuitive sense 
that you're on the hunt, that you're in pursuit, that you've got it in your crosshairs. There's also all of the questions uh, that are informed by history, all the times when you were like, this is the best thing I've ever done. And then you actually completed it and you were like, this is not the best thing I've ever done. I say all those things that are so contradictory because one of the things about being part way is oftentimes you're, you're all over the place and that's totally normal. You wouldn't have started it if you didn't think there was something there. If you didn't at some level think you could do it. But then inevitably everything that we do that matters throws up obstacles and difficulties. It's There are potholes everywhere on that street, right? So inevitably there are moments of what have I got myself into? You think about every hero's journey at some level is a leaving the known for the unknown. All you know is you're going in this direction because this is where the life is. You're leaving the known for the unknown. And the unknown is what makes it what it is. Whether it's the hero's journey, whether it's the next step, whether it's your own evolution and development, whether it's simply a sense of this whole thing is adventure. Uh, this whole thing at some level, there's a game to be played here. And it always involves, at some level, steps into the unknown. And the part way often is when you find out what that unknown is, and it generally has some level of surprise, and it generally has some level of, man, it was easier before I started out, right? We leave Egypt. We find out what it's actually like to be liberated wandering the wilderness, and then we're like, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't so bad in Egypt. At least in Egypt, we had regular meals, right? Such in the same place every night. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, by the way, that was a reference to the book of Exodus in the Bible. Uh, these people are liberated. These former Hebrew slaves find themselves free. But then when it gets difficult, they're immediately looking back to, man, remember when we were enslaved? That wasn't that bad, was it? Yeah, so part so part way. Yeah, part there's a long long history of part way. And part way is where you're intoxicated with what's possible, you're overwhelmed with the challenges, you're inundated with all the things that aren't working. You're reminded why you got into this. You're also at sometimes at the same time you've forgotten why it's a jumble, it's non-dual to say the least. So uh, whether it's a business and you're like, this thing, we're gonna make a killing, and you're also like, we're probably not gonna make it another week. This was the dumbest idea and we are breaking new ground. This is what the innovation curve at the front end looks like. Whatever contradictory things are stacked on top of each other. Oh my word, if you have a kid and you're like, this is the most rewarding thing ever. We made another human being, look at this. And you're also like, this is the most difficult, challenging thing. The goalposts keep moving. What were we thinking? We had another one. Why didn't we stop <laughs> with the first, right? All the different things looping around about whatever this project, person, job thing is. It's all a part of being partway, 
So let's just normalize all that. The non-duality of the heart. Is it good or bad? Yep. Are you in the flow? Or does it feel like you're carrying a bag of rocks up a hill? Yes. Uh, are you inspired or are you discouraged? Yes. The, the part way, man, part way has it all and it's totally normal. It's totally normal. By the way, uh, there is a Trinitarian structure to creativity. Uh, there's a great British writer, Dorothy Sayers, who outlines this really well in a book called Mind of the Maker. But uh, you have the idea. The idea exists in your mind, your heart. The idea exists in sort of platonic form. It is idealized. The idea doesn't have, when you imagine it, it doesn't have uh, all the sweat and grind and ambiguity. The idea exists in crystalline perfection, correct? Let's move there. Let's get our first house. What if I could have a job there? If I could create that. So the idea often has, uh, it has a perfection and an idealism, which you need. You need it to be that great to get you up off the couch and doing it, to get you from the known to the unknown. So there is the idea. Then there is the outworking of the idea, the idea actually taking on flesh and blood. There is the incarnation of the idea. When the idea goes from an abstract, detached from time and space, idealized form or structural concept that exists cognitively within your mind, and you actually give it, if it's a song, you give it structured noise, sound, accord progression, instrumentation, orchestration, arrangement. Uh, if it's a job, you actually go there and they give you a chair and you adjust the chair with that little knob so that it's comfortable and you get a desk and you find out who you turn this form into and you find out who's working on your right and who's on your left and who's in the Tuesday morning meeting, right? There is the idealization and then there is the incarnation of it, the actually working out of it, the beginning, middle, and end, the part way. There is the birth, there is the graduation and the launching of this kid at some level, even though you never really launch him. Are you with me on this? And then there is all of that part wayness. Yeah, and that's where you, that's where you chain yourself to your desk. That's where you get in the car and you go to that office again. That's where you change another diaper. So there's the ideal. There is the outworking of the ideal. The ideal going from the abstract and the conceptual to existing in time and space. You find out what that color, with that color, with that color, actually look like when you apply the paint and then you step back and you see it. And in those moments, Everything that was swirling around in your head and heart, you find out what's actually possible. By the way, this, the incarnation of the idea, can often bring with it a certain level of sorrow and grief, and that's totally normal, because it was fantastic in your head. It was limitless in your head. But then when you find out what it's actually, you get the first hints of what it's actually going to be, 
like you picked out that couch, that chair, that rug, that color, but then you actually put the furniture in the room and see what it's going to, sometimes you're blown away. It's even better than I thought, but sometimes there's like a, oh, okay, this is, oh, I actually, because sometimes what happens is we attach extra to things. They have a little more charge. Sometimes what happens is they're doing something more than they're capable of doing. It's like, if, it get, if I get that job, then, uh, then, my, then my family will be proud of me. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes what happens is a thing gets something else attached to it. Uh, if I complete this, then I'll be able to say that I'm a whatever. If I graduate from that, then I'll have that attached to my name. And so sometimes what happens is the thing gets something else attached to it. Security, worth, value, validation. Some authority figure will think that we're good enough, whatever it is. And so we start to get hints. We start to get see the shape emerge of what it actually is. And there's a bit of a letdown because we realize, oh, this isn't going to deliver the thing that I had thought it would deliver. It's just some furniture. And I actually had something else attached to it. So you'll often notice in the incarnation phase, in the working out of the thing, sometimes there'll be little funerals you're having to have for what you thought it might be, but now you're seeing what it actually is going to be. And those are fine because then you can actually get to the joy of it. So you have idea, you have outworking of the idea where it takes on flesh and blood, where it actually becomes something in space and time. It becomes a particular. And then you have, you have the spirit present in it. You have that energetic presence that draws, it drew you to it, that it may draw others to it. It's the way in which something, it's like you, uh, it's like you go see that movie and it's a movie that's, it's a, it's a story somebody made up. It's a fiction. It's, it's some town that doesn't even exist. It's a high school that never even really existed. And it's characters in some time period that, and you have nothing in, and yet, you're sitting there partway through that movie and it's touched you and moved you and connected you to your own story and you see yourself in it. And it's got, it's uh, the creative word, the word traditionally for this is there's something about its spirit that resonates with your spirit. There's something present in it, some pulse, some reverberation that does something to you. Uh, it's got some energy, some life, some presence that extends way beyond the thing itself. So there is the idea, there's the outworking of idea, there is the present spirit within it that moves beyond the thing itself. So there are these three dimensions to the creative experience. And traditionally, uh, in the Jesus tradition, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Father, the uh uh, the pure idea, sun, the working out of the idea, and then spirit. So this idea of trinity, or you've heard of the phrase trinity, or trinitarian thinking, isn't just a random sort of doctrinal idea some theologian cooked up somewhere. There is a trinitarian pattern built in to all creativity everywhere. It is a central like fiber or tendons that hold together the creative process 
universally. So for an ode to part way, if you think about all creative work, whether you're doing a job, you're executing a task, you're working for some client, you're raising a kid, you're doing some program for schooling, you're whatever it is that you are doing, if you think about it in terms of a Trinitarian structure, then the outworking of it, which is where the part way comes, right? That's the Christ part. And the Christ story, he's rejected, he's mocked, his family doesn't understand him, he's hunted, um, he gets tired after a long journey, he gets frustrated with his students, he's teaching us, uh, give us this day your daily bread, to live in non-anxious centered gratitude for all that we have, to give ourselves to the world so we can take part in the healing so that through our compassion, others can experience the divine love. Like there's all these things happening there, which goes back to when you're part way, man, all these different images and emotions and feelings and responses and impulses are sitting side by side. Because in the Christ story, in the outworking of it, all of these different experiences are sitting side by side. You've never done anything as difficult as this, raising this kid. And at the same time, you're thinking, this is the greatest experience I've ever had. <laughs> I can't imagine my life without this kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all totally a part of it. Now, you see what the masters do, the great ones is the great ones embrace this and they see that as part of this and they don't let their own dramas get in the way and they don't attach too much to the drama of it. We're partway through. <laughs> we're partway through. Yeah, we're celebrating. It's an ode to partway through. We are celebrating the slog. We see the slog as sacred. I am halfway to Knoxville. It is the middle of the night and it's okay. Here we are. Look what we're doing. Let's listen to some more Taylor Swift. Let's stop. By the way, Violet and I, this has been a week ago, middle of the night. I mean, it's probably at that point, we're still a couple hours out. It's probably 1 a.m. and we stop because I said to her, you know what? If we're going to drive nine hours straight, we're going to have to stop at a lot of convenience stores and get a lot of snacks. And she, I say it like totally seriously, like you realize what this is going to require of us. We're going to have to stop and get a lot of snacks. And she's like, we are, aren't we? I was like, yeah, if we're going to go nine and a half hours, we're going to have to do it right. So turn up to Taylor Swift and a couple hours from now, we'll do our first stop. What are you thinking of? You thinking Pringles, Lay's, maybe some of that vitamin zero water stuff? I don't know. I'm thinking I might even get an iced tea. I might just get crazy here, Violet. <laughs> but I'm telling you, we stop Somewhere in southern, somewhere in northern Kentucky, maybe one a.m. ish, two a.m. ish, and there is this convenience store in the middle of nowhere. It looked exactly like the set of a horror film. There's one guy working in there, and clearly we are his only business in a while because he's following us around the store. I want to say a shout out to Joe. This guy was the best. He was so great. At one point, I was like, is it, are there like a lot of people coming through at this time of night? He's like, nope. 90% of the time, it's pretty quiet. And then every once in a while, somebody comes through. And I was like, 
So we're the people for right now. And he says, yes. And we have so much fun talking to Joe at this convenience store in somewhere in Kentucky at 1 a.m. Yeah, part way. Because when you embrace it, when you embrace the part way, you start seeing all these things that are lurking in the part way. Uh, Kristen was just reading Stephen Pressfield's book on going pro, the follow-up to his book, War of Art. Uh, obviously, I can't recommend Stephen Pressfield enough, his book, War of Art. I haven't read the, the new Going Pro one, the one after that, but Kristen was reading it, and she sent me this quote. Stephen Pressfield says this, In the end, for me, it comes down to the work itself. A pro gets younger and more innocent as he or she ascends through the levels. By the way, I assume the levels are something in the book. Um, a pro gets younger and more innocent as he or she ascends through the levels. It's a paradox. We get salty and cynical, but we creep, but we creep closer to, to the wonder. You have to, or you can't keep going. Any other motivation will burn you out. Oh, let's just say it. Raise your glasses. So good. Essentially, Pressfield says, man, if you want to go pro, the part way is where you find the wonder. It's where you find, I am doing this. I get to do this. What a privilege. What a joy. What an honor. Yes. Yeah, this... This is how it works, is when you come to see the part way in a new way, you're changing the diaper, you're sitting in traffic again, you're filling out another report. An ode to part way acknowledges this is all part of it, and this is actually quite sacred, and you're finding the wonder in the part way. Remember when I used to dream about this? Now I'm actually doing it, and it's really difficult. How awesome is this? I'm actually doing the thing. Remember when we used to talk about a blah, blah, blah? We used to talk about having our own house. Now we have it, and there's rats in the roof, and the guy who fixed the rats actually caused a hole, so now it's leaking. But remember when we dreamed of this? Oh, you're, what you're discovering is the extraordinary resources and depths of joy that are available when you come to see that even having something to throw yourself into is a privilege and honor. Yeah, we have somewhere to drive in the middle of the night. What an amazing thing. Uh, yeah, that's, that's when you move into whole new territory. I love how Pressfield says it. You might be getting salty or cynical, but you are getting closer to the wonder. <laughs> oh, that is so good. We're doing an ode to part way, a hymn to almost there, kind of. <laughs> this is a song for the sacred nature of the slog. By the way, there's a biblical text that keeps coming, a verse from the Bible that keeps coming to mind. Psalm 118, there is this line, this is the day that the Lord has made. Now, I had always heard that this is the day and thought, yeah, but what about people trying to cross the border? What about school shootings? What about all the horrific things? Um, how do you say this is the day that the Lord has made? 
on a bad day, on a day that something cruel, unjust, evil, twisted, barbaric happens. But then you can also read it, and that's a question. That is a, that's a question for the ages. But then you can also read it a different way. You can shift the way that you say it. You can shift the stress, uh, where, where you put the vocal weight. This is the day the Lord has made. When you weight the this, it like tilts the whole psalm. Are you with me on this? This is the day. Essentially, this is the only day we actually have. This right here. We don't have tomorrow, and we don't have yesterday. This. And then you think about Hebrew poetry. This is the day the Lord has made. You think about the divine word that sustains the universe. You think about the fact that the universe for 13 billion years continues to unfold and evolve. So these creative energies continue to be unleashed. So the only reason we have this day is because this unfolding universe continues to unfold in its unifying, complex, and tropic sort of way. It's this fascinating mystery we're all a part of that we call life, this epiphenomenon that raises as many questions as it answers. This day is here. And this day, because it has unfolded, is inviting me to take part in this creative continuing. So I do have this day. So whatever comes to me on this day, that's all I got. So it's an invitation to see the whole thing and to participate in the ongoing creation of the world. So you can see it as something happening to you. You can see it as, look what this day brought. What the, or you can see it as another invitation to participate in the ongoing creation of the world. Look what this day brought. What invitation, what new creation is lurking in even this? See what this is the day the Lord has made done is it keeps you here. And then you think about the ancient tradition where you would repeat this as a prayer. You'd wake up in the morning and you would repeat this prayer a number of times. This is the day. This is the day. This is the day. Is What it does is it's keeping you here in your body in this place. This is the day. And what it's doing in the repetition is it's forming new neural pathways because you have the, all those voices in your head that, help, that, that, that shape us in innumerable ways, that we're not good enough, that we're not unworthy, that we can't escape our past, that the things that we did define us, that we're headed into nothing but dark waters. That produces the worry, the past produces the regret, but this is the day, this is the day, this is the day. What it does, almost at like a neurological level, is it shapes you, it shapes your mind to, but I do have this, and what goodness and invitation is lurking in even this. It keeps you here. So an ode to part way. One of the lines that helps me when I'm part way is, I probably won't finish the project. I probably won't nail it all today. That's pretty safe bet. Uh, there is what I've done before. And uh, we'll look at that. We'll take a look at that. We'll see what that is. But right now, that's what I have, is I have this part today, and it's all sacred, and it's all part of it. A couple of thoughts, if you find yourself right now in the part way, 
those of you who are like, man, this thing started so long ago. I've so forgotten why I even got into this in the first place. I'm so far from a finish line. I'm just in the part way. I'm just slogging it out. Uh, one thing that's unbelievably helpful to me is to approach it without judgment. You don't know what you have on your hands. You don't know. You may be just around the corner from a major discovery uh, that shapes the whole thing. You don't know. And the problem is when we're part way is we often rush to judgment about what it is. We've just done a bit of it and we start coming up with grand conclusions about the totalizing nature of it and what it will be in perpetuity. You don't have any of that. You don't have any of that. So there's an art to withholding judgment. I don't know what this is. Secondly, uh, we aren't in the editing of whatever it is. We aren't yet looking back on it to determine whether it was successful, whether it was a failure, whether it was a waste of time, whether we poured all that money, time, energy, effort, heart into it, and uh, what were we thinking? Right now, all we know is this is where the life is. Oftentimes, I'll meet people who are trying to justify this tremendous outpouring of effort. Uh, something within you, some of this is pre-rational. It's pre-verbal. It's pre-linguistic. Some of the, uh, I mean, tell me, if when you've fallen in love, argue, prove to me why this was the right person to fall in love with. See, like it, this exists in sometimes other categories. You can make a nice argument. A lot of things, a nice logical, linear, rational argument for them ruins them, right? Tell me why that song brings you to tears every time. Yeah, you give me some sort of defense or argument or rationale or explanation, and you've just robbed the song of its mysterious power to move you to tears every time. So uh, sometimes in the part way, when we're part way, when it gets difficult, we start uh, oftentimes to others, but it's really to us, trying to convince ourselves of why we got into this or why it matters or why it's important. When something drew you into this, we don't quite know why you moved there. We don't quite know why you get home from work, you have a, some dinner, and then you get to work on this project, whatever it is, because something within you, this is where the life is. It's where the life is. That's all you got right now. Something about it is calling you, something about it is drawing you. Yeah, we don't know exactly why. Sometimes we have nice, neat explanations. Other times, all we know is something within us says this way, this way. Uh, if it's, yeah, if it's creative, oftentimes creativity exists in a pre-verbal portion. Uh, it means something. That's the, the job of great art, right? It, it doesn't always make sense. Yeah, it's because it's doing something different. It means something. Yeah, yeah, it's calling, it's wooing us, it's beckoning us, it's whispering to us about some future, some unrealized new territory that we haven't yet been to. That's all we got. 
That's all we got. So we're just following it. So there's this calm, humble, patient, without judgment. You've turned your edit button off. Uh, all of the need to apologize for it, defend it, make sure everybody else knows that this is, you're not just, you're not crazy. Enough of that. Something within you, and this is huge in the part way sections, when you find yourself part way, is this is how a lot of things have worked for thousands of years. You get a hunch, you get a nudge, you get a whisper, and then you follow it. And right now you're part way, and of course there's going to be difficulties. You stepped into the unknown. Of course it's going to be rewarding. Yeah, you, you're, you did it. Uh, and, and then one more thought. In those moments when you're part way and it's so hard, uh, this, can, this can be dangerous territory, but also be incredibly helpful to remember this is why lots of people don't do this. Whatever it is, if you stick it out, um, a lot of people turn around and go home. A lot of people turn around and head back to the known. So uh, when we find ourselves like, man, this is just taking everything I have to keep going, to just put one step, to calmly, patiently do the next thing. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's, that's, that's exactly how it works. If it was easy, everybody would do it. So the move in this Trinitarian framework from the idea to the incarnation of the idea, uh, I, and especially the more I make things over the years, not giving up is more and more and more at the center of everything. Yeah, sometimes the sometimes that's actually the magical secret behind it all. The number of people I've met who've done such amazing things and I meet them and they're you you realize, "Oh, they just they didn't give up." That's like <laughs> that's like as simple and obvious as it gets. But in an ode to part way to every one of you who are like, "I don't know, I think I might just head back to the village." Uh you know what? Or you could keep going. Or you could keep going. Or you could keep going. And who knows where this is taking you. That's the joy. That's the wonder. That's the awe of it. So this episode is a shout out. This is an ode. This is a hymn to everybody who's part way there, part way finished, uh, part way to the goal. You're part way. Yeah. Yep. And your heart is filled with all of these different statements that are completely contradictory, all these different competing. Yes, totally normal. This is the day. This is all you got. So, Stay at it because there's something in there. There's some, Otherwise, you wouldn't have jumped into it. Otherwise, you wouldn't have jumped into it. This is how it works. One last thought. If you look across history, if you look across the evolution of our species, if you look across the unfolding of the universe, if you look across 
uh, women's rights, civil rights, LGBT rights, if you look at care for the environment, if you look for all of the great causes of our day, it took a while. All of it, it took a while. It's a long, slow march in a particular direction. Every piece of art that inspired you, once in a while you'll hear a story about a song dropping out of the sky. I just sat down and the song was written in five minutes. Yes, but you spent five years prior to that writing really crap songs. <laughs> Everything that matters, greater inclusion, greater acceptance, greater compassion, greater equality, better art, more meaning, more depth, all of it, it took a really, really long time. All of the things that you and I benefit, every technology, every luxury, everything that is at our fingertips now that previous generations would have dreamed of, they wouldn't even be able to imagine it. Somebody somewhere was partway through and they kept going. Every right that we enjoy every convenience that makes life like a little bit easier. Somebody somewhere was partway through and they kept going. They kept going. So you and me, that's what we do. That's what we do. We see the whole thing as sacred, all that slog. We see that grind as divine. We see this is how that Trinitarian creativity works. It's how the universe works. It's how each of our lives work. And we celebrate it. I'm part way, and I'm now going to hit stop. I'm going to upload this episode, and then I'm going to get back to work on that project because this is what I needed to hear because uh, I'm part way, and I'm filled with the wonder and awe. And may you, my brothers and sisters, be filled with that partway wonder and awe as well. Grace and peace be with you.